might depend how you look at it, but chapter 3 of the book of Genesis is either the saddest chapter or the greatest chapter. We looked at last week the beginning up to verse 19 where the fall of Adam and Eve came. And it is extremely sad and what a situation Adam and Eve have brought themselves to. We can hardly begin to fully comprehend the predicament and their situation that having had paradise, and I ask you to think, think about the wonders of the garden and the paradise that was theirs, all that they had, the beauty of it, the, the fellowship, the oneness with their living God, and yet all of that came crashing down when they did the one thing, the one thing that God told them not to do under the subtle craftiness of the serpent. Eve's curiosity was piqued and she gave in and Adam gave in and following that came the curse of God. Curse upon the snake that he would be crushed. The curse upon the woman that she would bear children in and bringing them up with pain. The curse upon the man in that he would earn his bread by the sweat of his brow. And so when we come to verse 19, here's man. And what a predicament. In fact, verse 19 brings us to the very uh, worst possible situation, you might say, because God announces to the man that he was dust and to dust he will return. In other words, he's saying, you will die. Even though God did not immediately wipe Adam and Eve out, which is what he might have done because of their sin, he is saying to the man, you will most certainly die. So what an awful situation they're found in. In this, and yet, in the midst of this, there is, as we noted, there is light. There is the promise of the gospel. There is the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. But the question really is, has Adam, can Adam and Eve take in that hope that is in the midst of God's words? All they're hearing is problems and difficulty ahead. Have they been able to take note of the hope of the gospel? Many times in our lives we hear lots of bad things. And in the middle of it there might be a, a, a sentence or two of good and of light. But we are so overwhelmed by all the things that are going to go wrong that we don't even hear the bright part. Maybe some people are of a disposition. They hear all the, the bad, but they latch on to the, the good news and they keep hold of that. Well, that is what we need to do and that is what Adam needed to do. And today we're going to look at verses 20 to 24. Again, these verses are difficult and yet it is all about the grace of God. Grace in the hope that Adam expresses. There's grace as God covers them. There's grace even as they're uh, put out 
of the garden and as the garden is sealed off from them. And so we want to think about the grace of God in these verses, beginning, first of all, with the wonderful way in which Adam heard God's word. Because we turn to verse 20 and we have Adam speaking. And although he has heard the message that he will return in death to the ground, what is he speaking about in verse 20? Well, he says this, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. Is that not an astounding thing that in the face of death, Adam is speaking about life? Because when he names, and up until this time, he had simply called his wife woman, taken out of the man, woman of the man. And that was her name. But here she's named Eve, the mother of all living. And Eve has that uh, meaning of life or life giver. It is all about life. And yet, He does this in the face of the news about their death. You see, Adam, by God's grace, has been able to hear the message and the word of God. He has listened carefully to what God has said, as I would hope and pray all of you do. Listen carefully to God's word. And God not only gave the penalty for their sin in the different areas of curse. But in the midst of that, he said to the woman, your seed will crush the serpent's head. And in that, he was announcing not only that there would be one, and the seed there is singular, it's pointing to the particular one, but that she would have children, that there would be new life from her, that the enemy would be crushed. And Adam has been able to grasp in the midst of the desperate news of his sin and of all that is going to happen in the days to come by the sweat of his brow earning his living, that there is hope, his life. There is going to be some way in which God would, through the seed of the woman, Deal with the one who is the arch enemy of his soul, of the man's soul, Satan. And so, even though the very relationship of Adam with his wife is now distorted and difficult because they blame, Adam blamed her, and from that, every couple knows that it's not all plain sailing. You may love that person dearly, but we are sinners, we are human. So when a couple is getting married, we warn them that it won't always, it won't always be light because we are made. And Adam, in the midst of all that had been, had been corrupted in the beautiful creation, is now seeing the light of God. How gracious God is and how wonderful Adam in his faith, to grasp hold of that truth that God would supply. He's been able to grasp 
this reality. What a wonderful blessing. We need to preach a message to people today of the destruction that sin brings. We need to tell people of the judgment of God. People need to realize that there is in their lives utter hopelessness. But we must keep the bright shaft of the gospel clear before them so that in the midst of the doom and gloom which they need to understand, there is still the light of hope. And that's what the world needs. The world today, we could try and shine out the light of hope today without mentioning anything to do with man's sin. But what use is that? It's of no use to him because he doesn't see his need. It comes in his thinking as light in the midst of all the light that he already has by his own thinking. He thinks that he is able to earn his salvation. He thinks all is well with his soul that he never answered to God. But we need to cut away all that paradise of his thinking which is false and put the blackness in so that the shaft of the gospel penetrates to the heart and that the man sees that all that he thought he had is absolutely useless. As Paul said, filthy rags, rubbish, absolute dung in the sight of God. So that the good news of the gospel. What a lesson to learn as we speak to people. And in a day and age when people want to be very nice to each other and when we are told that it's wrong to tell somebody that they've even made a mistake, let's not fall for Satan's lie. But look at Adam. In the midst of God cutting him down and showing him his fault, the shaft of light is grasped because Adam knows the truth of what God is saying and he needs to hear And he needs that news that there will be a seed and other seed. So what a lesson to learn. And the other lesson is let us listen carefully to God's word. Let's listen very carefully to every word so that when we find that word chastising, when we find that word rebuking, when we hear of the day of judgment and condemnation, let us also listen carefully that in the midst of it you find the grace of God. For it is there, God in his mercy. And so Adam has hope in God's word. And our hope is not in man, not in what man may do, but in the word of God which declares the living word, Jesus Christ. Secondly, in this chap- uh, these verses we come to this a great need that man had, and I've said here, by grace they are covered by God's provision. Covered by God's provision. You see, immediately after they recognized their fault, what did man do? Well, he sewed fig leaves together. He took of the vegetation and tried to cover up the parts of his body that he was ashamed about or felt uh, for whatever reason that God had made them that way They now recognize they're naked and they're covered from God. But really it's a symbol of their nakedness before God, of the exposure of their faults before God, of their sin. 
and they make an effort in their own ability to cover their sin, their nakedness with fig leaves. And that's where the expression no doubt comes from that we sometimes would use. Covering it just, just a fig leaf. In other words, a useless, worthless covering. Here they are trying to supply by their own efforts a covering that will protect them from God. And that's really the symbol here. That they might not be ashamed before their Lord. And into this situation God comes. And having exposed their fault and spoken to them, what does God do? He does something that for the man and woman must have been absolutely unthinkable. Remember the perfection of creation and the animals and all was there and they were living in complete harmony. Now at the fall, what God does God do? Well, he does and he takes the skin of an animal to clothe the man. And it is clear from that that blood had to be shed. God does not take uh, an animal and take its, its wool to clothe the man. No, he takes the skin because it's going to take that kind of material to cover up man's sin. But it is actually the beginning of the gospel pointing men to the shedding of blood that is going to be required to cover sin. The shedding of blood begins here in the Garden of Eden. And throughout the Old Testament, as God slowly reveals and develops before our reading the whole of salvation, we see him use us. The animal had to be shed, blood had to be shed when the animal was brought for sacrifice, either to the altar or then into the temple. And those things were always teaching man the only covering for sin is the bloodshed. And that's what he's saying to Adam. The skin of the animal had to be used for blood had to be shed. All your efforts are going to be useless. Another thing to note with Adam as God makes this provision for him and remember, it had been horrifying to Adam that these lovely animals are going to be killed. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't deserve it. But God does it. And not only that, we're told that God clothes the man and the woman. And uh, maybe a bit simplistic, there is some mystery behind this. But you can imagine when you were small and you played with the action man or the doll, you actually put the clothes on. The doll didn't get up and put the clothes on. You brought the garment, the trousers, whatever, you pushed the leg through. And there's a sense in which that's what God, he actually clothes the man. He puts the garments of skin on him. It is all of God that the shame of man is covered. And this was to convey and should convey that our salvation today is all of God. It is all of Him. Men and women are utterly unable to do anything. 
We would clothe ourselves with fig leaves. We would try to hide and shield our sinful activity from God by the coverings that we invent and try to put on ourselves. Well, here's what God says of them. They're useless. What you need is what I am going to provide for you. We can think of the fig leaves that people try to apply to their hearts today. And the big fig leaf for many is their good works. Many people think, well, I'm good enough. I have never done anyone any harm. Or as I was told by one this week, I keep the commandments. I think they're very important and I try to live by the commandments. Well, you may try, but what did Jesus say to the rich young ruler? He said, go and sin no more. And he challenged him and he got to the very root of his problem. He was making all the right efforts, but his heart was not with God. He wasn't allowing God into his life. And man likes to have autonomy. Man wants to do everything. We want to sew our fig leaves together to cover us so that we will be presentable to God. Well, it won't work. Even religious duties, man likes religious duty. And it's interesting when you go into other uh, societies where there's been no gospel, there is still religion branded what you will. Even, as we've been reading on the internet, if you get up to that, one of the professors who used to acclaim Darwin as of now saying that's a religion. Evolution's a religion. And it's a fig leaf that man is using to try and hide from God and cover over his shame. All of it useless. What you and I need is the one who by his life lived perfectly and did not deserve to die, but went to the cross and his blood was shed. Why? To cover you. To cover your sin. And we must, you must rest utterly on Jesus Christ as Lord. If you're trying to put on some other garment thinking that will help, forget it. The fig leaf is useless. I wonder, are any of you still in fig leaf mode, still thinking that your work on the committee or your attendance at this or your going, your good neighborliness or some other thing will ingratiate you to God and, and help that you might not be uh, condemned. Friends, those things are all good. But only after Christ has been in your heart and you are honored Him. They are the outflow of your love to Jesus and your realization that the blood of the Lamb is the only thing that cleanses from sin. Here God provided for Adam and Eve graciously out of his own love. He made provision. And Before we move from this thought, just one further thing We don't know what animal God took the skin from. We don't know. We're not told. We don't need to know. It was skin. But some have suggested 
that it wasn't a lion or a leopard or anything like that, but it was a lamb, a sheep. Now, as I said, we don't know. But if you can imagine it was a sheep, how fitting is that to the Lamb of God? To the desire and to the way in which God always asks for a perfect Lamb to be at the altar. To Jesus, speaking of himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We can't be certain but it would seem so fitting if you entrusted your life to the Lamb of God you covered by His blood for your sin. Thirdly, I want to mention here how God in His grace cuts off from of life. Now you might think that this is that's an odd thing because surely it had been good if Adam had been eating the tree of life. Well, God didn't think so. So neither should we. God in his mercy, you see, doesn't immediately cut man off to death, but he gives him the promise. And now we find God actually saying, look, here's man in his sin. And what a disaster it would be if this sinful man were to always live like this Look what we read in verses 22-23. And God, and the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Here God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the counsel of his own will, looks down and sees man in his sin and says, sinful man must not be allowed to eat of the tree of life. For if sinful man eats of that tree, he will live forever in his sin. He will continue in his corruption. The words of Satan to the woman about the fruit of that they would become uh, and would have the knowledge of good and evil, they're partially true. They did have the knowledge of good and evil. But now they were fallen into sin. Their relationship with God was broken. They were not perfect. They were not like God in His majesty and holiness. In fact, they had fallen from that very estate. The self-rule that man had gained had been gained at the huge expense of our relationship with his creator that was destroyed and broken. Man, even in being like God, is sinful and corrupt. We may have knowledge of good and evil about how badly we use it. And so God says, no man must not eat of this tree. And so he banishes him from the garden. He cuts him off from the tree of life. Just think about that for a moment. If sinful man had eaten of the tree of life and continued forever in his sin, forever and ever and ever, well, we know how corrupt our world is at the minute. We know the wickedness of men. Would you like that for eternity? 
Is, that the, is this the kind of world you would desire to live in forever and ever and ever? Surely not. With the absence of a holy God and the love and the mercy. Adam knew the paradise that had been lost. God graciously says, no, you're not going to live forever like this. There's better things to be had. Man's corruption will be ever growing. So God banishes him. Part of the banishment is because by God's grace there is going to be eternal life at a far better level. God is going to send his Son, the Lord Jesus, through whom we might renew our relationship with God and have eternal life with a new, restored, cleansed heart. And so banishing the man from the garden and from the tree of life was by God's grace that we might come into a new heart and a new life with God forever. Remember, that's what he speaks in in Jeremiah. I will not take out the heart of flesh and I'll give you a a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The corruption will be taken away. So I say to you, give thanks today that God banished man from being able to eat and perpetuate his sinful life for eternity. Rejoice rather that his design and grace has eternal life for you who will come to Christ when sin will be properly dealt with and covered. And a righteousness of the the second Adam attributed to you. And you will be restored to fellowship which is the far better thing than having eternal life in sin. Our world continues in its corruption. May they see the need for eternal life that is real life. See, you and I, we were created to worship God. We were made by God for that very purpose. When we are cut off from God, we are not what we ought to be nor are we fulfilling or anywhere near what we ought to be. Man today needs to realize without God they're not whole at all. Then lastly I want to note the grace that brings, closes out from the garden or as I'm putting it, closes out from the very presence of God. The final verse of the chapter and brings this section to an end. The cherubim are placed, the flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. In other words, the presence of the life and the presence of God is cut off, shut off from Adam. Adam and Eve cannot now freely enter the garden. What was the garden? The garden was where God placed them. The garden in their minds was where they had sweet fellowship with their Creator. The garden was the very temple where God was dwelling with them. And now they're shut out from that. Why? God graciously does it to show them that they need a better way of coming to Him. That they might enter fellowship in a far better way, in a more intimate way again. And throughout the Old Testament, what does God do? He sets up a holy place. Who can go in there? 
only the high priest, after the shedding of blood into the Holy of Holies. And where, who meets, who does he meet there? The Holy God. Who does he fellowship with? The God. Moses, remember, going into that holy place and leaves with his face shining because met in the presence of God. But only through the shedding of blood and only as God has designed the temple, the inner sanctuary, the holy of holies, the dwelling place of God. Revelation, the dwelling place of God is heaven, the holy place. And how are sinners to enter the holy place? Only through the blood of Christ. They're cut off from the tree of life, shut out from the presence of of God that was in the garden to show there is a better than that shadow. And the whole Old Testament has shadowy things pointing us forward to the temple of eternity, the very presence of God in heaven itself. The way into garden, we cannot go back, in other words. We cannot go back and restore paradise as it was. That's a total impossibility. Just the same way as I'm speaking to the children, you'll never restore an old car exactly as it was. There's always going to be something different. Far better to go into heaven and be completely renewed and enter into the glory with God to dwell with Him. And our focus is not to go back to what we once had. And funny, that's the way men to go back. Oh, I wish things were as they had been. Men want to go back into the garden and think of the paradise. Forget about it. Look ahead to the glory of heaven and to the holy place where the Lord dwells. But the only way you will get there is through trusting in the blood of the Lamb that God has provided. These verses are all about God's grace. Grace shown to Adam in the Word and Adam takes great hope from God's Word. Grace in God providing the covering and clothing the man reminding us that we need to be clothed with Christ. Grace in cutting him off from the tree of life because that is not what he needs. He needs new life in Christ, the true life. Grace, being closed out from that garden and the presence of God, that he might enter that presence in a new and living way, not going back into the garden looking for God, but going forward into heaven and finding the living Lord. Friends, Dust you are, and to dust you will return. The day of the Lord will come. The judgment will come. The only covering that will help you is the covering of Jesus Christ as Lord. And only in Him is there victory at the grave and resurrection glory because He in His blood has cleared our sins.